Good morning. Happy New Year. Man, you know, there's some people that they love structure, and I am not one of those people. So when we have one of these weird Sundays where we don't have a worship team, I actually get kind of excited. This is when I'm in my comfort zone is when we have to improvise a little bit. I kind of like that. I like the freedom of the unknown. So, uh, and, and you know what's cool is, is you come in here and you have to play some worship songs. You know what the Lord's doing and the Lord's presence is doing in here today. The Lord's presence is slaying demons in here today. He's doing the things that he does in, 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 in this time. He's doing them today here. And, um, and we don't need to have uh, any certain structure to it. The Lord's working. Man, that's awesome. The Lord is really working. I, uh, let me just read this word here real quick before I pray over this message, this word Ricky sent me this morning, just a, just a short word from the Lord um, over our body. And it says, God says this place is a place of the outpouring of my spirit. Right now, the window of heaven is cracked open over this place. But will we be opening more and more? Be ready for more. Let's pray. Lord, we just, we just worship you, Lord. We thank you that God... Nothing stands in your presence, Lord. God, we just, we just worship you for who you are, Lord, for what you're doing in this body, in this place, in this time, Lord. You're a good God. And you are opening our hearts and our minds, and you're just revealing the revelation of your love to us, Lord. We invite you into this place, Lord. We invite you into our hearts and our minds in this time, God. I invite you into my voice, Lord. Have my words, have my time, have our time, Lord. We just give this to you. Let it bless your heart. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when Patty was talking about the, uh, the crucifixion, you know, the, the awesome thing about our God is the mystery of the cross is that when Satan was crucifying Jesus, he was also crucifying his authority over the world. Because Satan's authority over the world died with Jesus. And, uh, and we get to live in the freedom of the authority that has been given to Jesus, that he has come and taken by the cross. So uh, my message title today is Sudden Change. And um, as I was studying for this message this past week, the Lord took me to 1 Chronicles chapter 12. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, David has been, has been banned from the presence of King Saul and from Israel. He's living in this Philistine territory called Ziklag, which is an enemy territory. Philistine just means non-Israelite territory. So the Philistine territory of Ziklag, David is living in. He's essentially hiding out. From, from Saul, because Saul is trying to hunt him down and kill him. And something really amazing happens. The Lord starts to send warriors from different tribes of Israel in groups of people. The Lord, Lord was sending groups of warriors from different tribes, and they were coming to David and essentially devoting themselves to David. Now, David had been anointed to be the king over Israel, but he hadn't been appointed yet king over Israel. He was just another man. He was still just a shepherd boy who had been appointed king over Israel, and he's hiding out in Philistine territory. And these groups of people are coming to him, and they're devoting themselves to him. These people um, um, bring something to the table for, for David and his, and, his, uh, and his army that the Lord is building up. So David's just a man, and he's living with a group of outcasts in the land of Z uh, Ziklag, 
And as the Lord is sending these groups, he starts to list the groups, how many is coming from each tribe, and exactly what they bring to the table when they come. And the scripture says that um, some were valiant, valiant warriors, some were skilled with shields and spears, some had this plethora of weapons of war. And then it lists the Issacharites. And the Issacharites, what they brought to the, to the uh, value to David and his army was that they understood the times and they knew what Israel should do. They understood the times and they knew what Israel should do. And this is listed amongst the other weapons that these other uh, groups and these other tribes were bringing. And what the Lord was showing me is that the wisdom of heaven that was given to the Issacharites was a weapon of war. To, to understand the times and to know what to do is a weapon of war in the spiritual. So the next day, I'm in my study time again, and the Holy Spirit this time takes me to Daniel chapter 9. In Daniel chapter 9, starting in verse 1, this is what it says. In the first year of Darius, son of Ahasuerus, a Mede by birth, who was made king over the Chaldean kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the books, according to the word of the Lord, to the prophet Jeremiah, that the number of years of desolation of Jerusalem would be 70. So I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him in prayer and petitions with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. So the final conquest, Israel was, or Judah was essentially conquered by Babylon in two conquests. And the final conquest was completed in 587 BC. And King Darius of Mede became king over the Chaldean, the Persia, which is the Chaldean kingdom. He became king, his first year was 522 BC. That means the time that had passed between the final siege of Israel, or Judah, by the Babylons, and this moment where Darius has become king, and Daniel seeks the Lord's face in prayer was 65 years. So here's what the scripture is essentially saying. It's saying that 65 years into Babylonian exile, Daniel recognizes the time, understands the times, has believed in the prophetic word that was released by Jeremiah that said that they would be in captivity for 70 years, recognizing that they're coming towards the end of this time of captivity and they're going to be released, and probably looking around and saying, I don't understand how this is possible. It's not looking like we're headed in that direction. And so what he does is he comes before the Lord in prayer and fasting, and he starts to seek the Lord's face for strategy and foresight into how the Lord is going to release the, the Jews from captivity in Babylon. So he starts to seek the face of the Lord in prayer and fasting, and he gets an answer from the Lord 21 days later. And in Daniel chapter 10, we get kind of a magnified version of, of this encounter that he has with the angel Gabriel, who comes to him 21 days into his prayer and fasting. This is what it says in Daniel chapter 10, starting in verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me and set me shaking on my hands and knees. He said to me, Daniel, you are a man treasured by God. Understand the words that I'm saying to you. Stand on your feet, for I have now been sent to you. After he said this to me, I stood trembling. Don't be afraid, Daniel, he said to me. For from the first day that you proposed to understand 
and to humble yourself before your God. Your prayers were heard. I have come because of your prayers. In Daniel chapter 9, it gives you kind of a zoomed out version of this. And, and what Gabriel says is that the moment you started praying, the answer to your prayers was released from heaven. The moment you started praying, the answer to your prayers was released from heaven. And, and Gabriel is saying, I'm coming on assignment to answer your prayers. And he goes on to explain in Daniel chapter 10 that on his journey to Daniel, to provide Daniel the answer that Daniel had been seeking, he was held up in Persia by this demonic stronghold. Who was, he overcame the demonic stronghold with other angelic help, and he had come to Daniel to give Daniel the revelation and foresight into how he was going to release the Jews um, back into freedom from exile. And as I read this, I knew that this was important and relevant more than just understanding, um, understanding the, the passage of Scripture. Because I read this um, during the day. When I say that the Lord took me to a Scripture, normally what happens is the Lord will put a Scripture in my mind and I'll like, like have to look up the context of it. So it'll be on my mind constantly until I look up the context of it. And that's what kind of happened in Daniel chapter 9 and 10. So I look up the context of one Scripture and it just... Um, just just unloads this revelation to me. And then I literally went home and I opened this book that I'm reading right now called The New Era of Glory by Tim Sheets. And I open up to the chapter that I'm reading and the chapter is a breakdown of Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel chapter 10. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I understand that you're speaking to me and I need to be paying attention. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to say to me in this, in this scripture. And as I was meditating on this and praying into this, this word that was shared with Pastor Jeff years ago, that you actually, we, all, we heard a few weeks ago he shared from Bishop Garlington, kept coming to my mind. And um, he shared it a couple weeks ago, and he shared it a few times, well, many times before that. But I'm going to read it to you again here real quick. This is what it says. I hear, a, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. There's no way God can ignore your willingness to close your door, to walk through another open door, and to present, present yourself into his presence. The Lord would say, I'm coming to your house, and there are things that you have hungered for, and that you have dared to believe, even asking beyond your own belief. And even though we are where we are, God, you made a promise, and there is no limit to you to deliver, either by few or by many. They are coming, my brother, from the north, the south, the east, in the West, God will stir up in your house a mighty move of the Holy Ghost, and it will network and interact with other houses where the Spirit of God is moving. You will taste, and you will see, and you will say that it is good. In Isaiah 55, the Scripture says that when God releases a word from heaven, it is released on assignment. It goes out on assignment, and it doesn't return empty, ever. It doesn't return empty, ever. God releases a word from his mouth, and that prophetic word goes out on assignment, and it accomplishes exactly what it was sent to accomplish. What that means is that means that prophetic words have life. They aren't just a word, but they're actually an action of the Lord. A prophetic word is an action of the Lord that sometimes exists beneath the surface of the natural in the spiritual realm, while it's being watered in faith and prayer, before it is eventually burst into light, burst into the natural realm, and in what we see, um, it manifests itself in the natural. 
Some prophetic words have a longer period of gestation. This is, this is, I actually didn't even know what this word meant. The Lord, Holy Spirit spoke this word into me, and I had to look it up. I had to Google it. Gestation. It had a longer period of gestation, which is the time between, between conception and birth. Most of you guys probably think, you're an idiot. You didn't know what that meant. But I just didn't. I'm, you know, I didn't know what it meant. Some prophetic words have a longer period of gestation. That doesn't mean the prophetic word is dormant or inactive at any moment. This, I had this picture in my head as I, was, um, as I was preparing for this. I don't know if you guys have ever tried to go pull a little oak tree out of the ground when it's grown up. Even when they're this tall, they'll just rip your hands up because you literally can't get them out of the ground. And, and what the Lord was showing me was that before that little tree had ever burst through the surface of the ground... It had grown beneath the surface. And sometimes there is prophetic words that are released. And it takes a long time because what the Lord is doing is beneath the surface, he's creating a sturdy foundation so that when it does burst through the ground, it can withstand the elements that it's going to face. So sometimes there's a time period of gestation. There's a time period where this is, um, this is growing in the spiritual, but we can't see it in the natural. We can't see it physically present itself in the natural. And we've heard this, sh- this word shared by Pastor Jeff many times over the year, many times. So much so that I knew parts of it, and I didn't even have it. I knew parts of it, and I texted him this week, and I said, can you send me that, that word? So I had the whole thing. But, the, but I think it's funny because the reason that we've heard it so many times over the year, years is because that man has believed in faith that the Lord is going to bring that word to fruition. And he's watered that, that word in faith and prayer, expecting it to come. And, 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 and what I feel like the Lord is, is saying to me in this time and saying to us in this time is to understand the times. The Lord is saying that that word that is spoken, was spoken to Pastor Jeff many years ago has been watered in faith and prayer, and it's about to sprout. And there's, amongst our body, even Pastor Jeff said this this past week when I texted him and asked him for that word, amongst our body, there is an expectancy in this house right now for the Lord to move. And what that expectancy, I believe, is, is our spirits recognizing the times, starting to feel the ground shake beneath us, which is this prophetic word that had been spoken over us years ago and over this house years ago that's about to burst forth into the light, that had, has, has established itself in the spiritual and is about to burst forth in, in, into the natural. One of the things that Logan brought up this morning in, in our youth group upstairs, which was really, really cool, because I didn't even make this connection, but the Holy Spirit drew this connection so well. Um, over, over the past year and a half, really, the Lord has brought so many families into our house that are now like very important, intricate parts of our, of our house, of our body here. When we think about the horse family and the withers, um, Maddie, she's not here today, and there's so many more of you that, that, that are such an important piece to what the Lord is doing in our house that a year and a half ago we didn't know. And I feel like what you are as representative of is the roots that are growing down in the spiritual 
that are creating that sturdy foundation for when this word bursts forth in the natural, that we'll be able to steward it well, because the Lord doesn't desire for this to just sprout and then die, but he desires it to sprout and to grow into a tall oak that lasts for literally generations and generations and generations. The Lord doesn't want us just to see a glimpse of this and then it die off. He wants it to last. He wants us to know how to steward it. So what he's doing, has been doing in these past times, is he's been, he has been um, growing this in the spiritual, beneath the surface of the soil in the spiritual, creating that strong foundation, that sturdiness, so that it's going to be able to, able to withstand the elements. And he's teaching us now how to steward it well when it does burst forth, so we know what to do. The scripture says that the Iskarites didn't just understand the times, but they knew what Israel should do. So it's not just enough for us to say, yes, I agree in faith with that. But we have to actually know what to do with it. If we don't know what to do with it, it's just a, an acknowledgement of, yes, I believe in that, with, with, with a chaotic living of not knowing what to do with it. So, so what does this mean for us today? How do we prepare to steward this, this outpouring? And how do we usher in this promise from the Lord? When I was in high school, I played football. And um, during football games, when the defense would be on the field, the offensive players that weren't playing defense, we would kind of come to the back bench behind the sidelines, and we would sit on the bench, and the offensive coach would come, and, and he would huddle together with us, and we would strategize. He would... A lot of times he would ask us what we're seeing, what we're struggling with, what we're not seeing. He would correct us if we were doing things wrong. There was many times that I just got reamed on that bench. He would correct us when we were doing things wrong. He would encourage us when we were doing things well. And he would give us insight and strategy that maybe we couldn't see from our position on the field because he had eyes in the box and on the sideline. He had eyes all over the place to be able to see things that we maybe couldn't see. And so he would strategize with us and he would give us plans um, for attack so that we're prepared when we go, are called back onto the field. And sometimes we'd be sitting in these moments on the sidelines and, and the coach would be talking to us, we'd be strategizing, and then all of a sudden you'd hear coaches from the sideline that are watching the game start yelling, sudden change! Sudden change! And what sudden change meant was that the defense had made a play, there's been a turnover, and the offense is being summoned back onto the field. And what I sense in the spirit in this season is that this is a season of sudden change. And where in the past seasons, we may have been defending attacks from the enemy. We've been exercising strategies of fortification or defense. Now, the Lord is calling us into an era of kingdom advancement. I believe the Lord is calling us into spiritual offense in this season. While the Israelites were traveling through the wilderness, they were going through a season of spiritual fortification. They were growing spiritually without obtaining anything in the natural. The Lord was teaching them how to trust in him, to lean in and hear his voice, to follow his instructions. And then after 40 years in the wilderness, the Lord calls a sudden change. And he tells the Israelites to advance and take the kingdom. 
And I feel like that's the season we're in right now where the Lord is saying, I, I've, I've, I've grown you in fortification, but now I'm calling you to take the kingdom. Go and take the kingdom. One of the reasons I believe that the Lord has brought us into uh, or brought forward this call of prayer and fasting is because the Lord wants us to be leaned in closely to him so that he can give a strategy for success. So this era of kingdom advancement isn't wasted on chaotic busyness and Christian things. God wants to advance his kingdom, which is the culture of heaven on earth, and he wants to do it through his people. That's why in Genesis, God gives Adam and Eve the order, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Because his intent in creation was to, to advance the kingdom culture of heaven, which was pure and present in Eden, to be multiplied throughout the earth, and he wanted to do it through Adam and Eve. He wanted to do it through his people. And if his plan appeared to be spoiled by sin, side note, God's plan is never spoiled. If it seemed to be spoiled by sin, it was restored by the grace of the cross and the blood of Jesus for the glory of God. And God, who is omniscient, all-knowing, wants to give us strategy for advancing the culture of heaven through Columbiana County and every area that we're anointed to reach. He's correcting us, he's convicting us, and he's sending us out to deploy his strategy. We uh, do have a responsibility in this. Because if we're honest, there will be some who might want to just sit on their hands during this season of kingdom advancement, this era of kingdom advancement. There will be some that will answer the call by filling their lives with, with, with Christian busyness and Christian things. Sometimes what we do is we just throw, I've done this many times, I, I, am, this, this is my, I speak this to myself, we throw ministries against the wall and see if anything creates excitement. Let me try this and see if this creates excitement. Let me try this and see if this creates excitement. Let me try this and see if maybe a few people get saved doing this. And it's just all random and chaotic. And the Lord is calling us out of, of that random and that chaotic because God is not a God of chaos and he's not a God of random. Everything that he does is strategic. When I played football at the beginning of every week, we would get a scouting report. And it was a couple pages long. And the scouting report would give us key plays that the other team um, uh, might run. It would give, give us key players that they might key on and some of their tendencies. And in the very front of this, of this uh, pamphlet that we would get would have the keys to victory. And as I prayed over this message, I felt like the Holy Spirit started to show me some of our keys to victory in this era. Some of the things that we have to do well if we're going to see the kingdom of heaven manifest in our body. I got three keys for victory for you. The first key to victory is unity. Unity. Let's read real quick here in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. It says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. 
Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the, in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ. From him the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. The ESV version of this scripture actually says um, that he gave himself some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. That means that the giftings that he's given us, maybe a, a shepherding gift that he's given Pastor Jeff, is actually to equip you for ministry. It's to lead you into ministry. And here's why that is. is because a person ministers to a person, but a body unified together ministries to a community. You can minister to a person, but if we're unified in one body and one mind, we will minister to a community. We will minister to a state. We will minister to a nation. Unity doesn't just simply mean getting along. It means being connected, working together with one vision and one reward, and that reward is Jesus. And so growth in the body just doesn't come from individual growth. It comes from each member of the body, every part of the body being connected in un union and growing in unity together. Prophets prophesy, shepherds shepherd, servants serve, and each member is equally important because the body doesn't grow in function and maturity unless it's growing in function and maturity in unity, in togetherness. Every single person in here has a part in that. You have a piece in that. You're an important piece. I have a, just an applicable example for you. My son is three years old, and he got a Lego helicopter for Christmas this year. And he's a genius, but he's not a genius enough to put together a Lego helicopter. So I had to help him with that a little bit, because I am a genius. <laughs> I followed the instructions, so... <laughs> And you know, when you dump these pieces of this Lego helicopter out on the ground, you can know one thing. You know that there is some brilliant mind out there that has specifically engineered every one of these parts to strategically come together and become a helicopter. But until that happens, it's just a pile of blocks. And I can know what it is because I've seen the box. I know it's supposed to be a helicopter. I can call it a helicopter, but it isn't a helicopter until it's put together. It isn't a helicopter until it's brought strategically together in union, in unity. And when I sat down to put this uh, helicopter together, every part of my body had to work together in order to put this helicopter together. My mind had to perceive. My eyes had to see. My hands had to work. And if every, any part of my body was disconnected from the other, I wouldn't be able to put that, that helicopter together. If my mind wasn't able to perceive, I wouldn't be able to put that helicopter together. If my eyes couldn't see, I wouldn't be able to put that helicopter together. If my hands wouldn't work, I wouldn't be able to put that helicopter together. And it would remain a pile of blocks that's supposed to be a helicopter. 
And the same thing with our body. We are supposed to be the image of Jesus, an image of the kingdom of heaven. But we will just be a pile of gifts, a pile of skills, a pile of talent, until we come together and form in unity a picture of the kingdom of heaven. Strategically brought together, we become a picture of the kingdom of heaven. But until we are strategically brought together, we're just a pile of blocks, a pile of gifts. I have one more example for you here. We have a central nervous system in our bodies. And the central nervous system is connected to the brain. It runs down our spinal cord. And it's a series of nerves that go out to every extremity that we have. And these, the central nervous system sends signals from our brain down our spinal cord and out into our body. And it's what communicates with our body, gives us information and instruction so that we can function, so that our body can function the way that it's supposed to function. If somebody were to have a break in their spinal cord and that, and that, uh, that, uh, that nervous system is, is broken, it doesn't just affect that one little spot. It affects the whole entire function of the body. One little break in unity in the central nervous system affects the whole body, not just that spot. And the same with our body, the body of Christ, is that one break in unity doesn't just affect that one area, that one ministry. It affects the function of the body, which is supposed to be an image of the kingdom of heaven. All right, my second key to victory. My second key to victory is focus. So after hearing the first key to victory, some of you might, might say, I don't know what my purpose is, I don't know what my gift is, and I don't know what I'm supposed to bring to the table in order to create this picture of the kingdom of heaven. And the good news about that is, is that prayer and fasting is a great way to find out. I said, shoot, I talked about prayer, I talked about fasting last week, and then nobody showed up to church this, or last month, and nobody showed up to church this month. They're like, don't mess with our food. We ain't coming back to hear anything else this guy has to say. <laughs> but fasting really is, it's a great way for the Lord to start to un unveil some of the giftings and the purpose that you have, some of the things that you bring to the table in the body of Christ. And I think one of the handicaps of our society today is that our resources are stretched really, really thin. I'm not talking about money. Our resources are stretched really, really thin. Our time, our attention, our focus, our energy, these things are stretched really, really thin. And I think in this season, the Lord is calling us into a time of pruning, pruning in your life, pruning some of those things that have grabbed your attention, grabbed your, fought for your energy, fought for your time, and fought for your focus so that you can channel your resources more effectively into the things of the kingdom, the things that the Lord wants to do through you. For some of you guys, that might mean deleting social media, turning off the TV in the evenings. So the Lord can start to use that time more wisely so we can start to channel those resources more effectively so that you can be effective for the body so that we can be effective for the kingdom. 
I, I'll tell you this, my time is already stretched thin. I have a full-time job, I have a ministry that I do here, and I have a wife and a three-year-old son that I refuse to give my leftover time to. That means that other things have to be cut out. Me and Emma have deleted social media. We turn off the TV in the evening, and we spend time in prayer and, and, and in reading and in studying. And the Lord has given us so much clarity and so much blessing in those things. Because all of a sudden, I feel rested. I don't feel like my mind is going a million different places. I feel like I've channeled my resources more effectively. And now, all of a sudden, I can hear the Lord better. And the Lord can use me more effectively. And the Lord would do the same with you. And I think there are some of you who in here who have been praying for something for a long time. And I feel like what the Lord is doing is he's releasing an Ezekiel 12 decree over this body right now in this season. Ezekiel 12 verse 21 says, Again, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man. What is this proverb that you have about the land of Israel, which goes, The days keep passing by and every vision fails. Therefore, say to them, this is what the Lord God says, I will put a stop to this proverb, and they will no longer use it again in Israel. But say to them, the days have arrived, as well as the fulfillment of every vision. For there will no longer be any false vision or flattering divination within the house of Israel. But I, the Lord, will speak whatever message I speak, and it will be done. It will no longer be, be delayed, for I will speak for in your days, rebellious house, I will speak a message and bring it to pass. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Now, when God spoke this message to the prophet Ezekiel, he was speaking this message because they had not believed in these warnings that Ezekiel had given him. But in our house, in our time, I believe the Lord is speaking this message, but I think he's speaking it over the blessing that we, we haven't seen come yet. The Lord has started to say, I'm going I'm to start to fulfill these things. They're going to start to come in an accelerated manner. They're going to start to present themselves in the physical in an accelerated manner. I'm going to start to give you strategies during this time. As you prune back your life and you hear the Lord, I'm going to start to give you strategies to go in and grab the things that you've been praying for. Because the Lord wants us to be a part of it. He wants to do it, and he wants to do it through us. And he'll handle the spiritual side of it, but there's a natural side of it too that he wants us to partake in. The Lord wants to give you the answers to the things you've been praying for. But he's not going to shout over the noise of distraction or fight for your attention. When you start to prune your life, you'll start to hear the Lord. The third and the last key to victory, submission. God is creative. He's not orthodox. And we have to forget the orthodox ways of ministry. We have to forget the orthodox ways of reaching the lost. God is too creative for orthodox. And doing things my way, and the way that I think that it should be done, is the easiest and quickest way to squash any spiritual movement. God has a strategy for accomplishing the missions that he's sending us on. But if we aren't submitted to his way and his plan, we're fighting against it. It's not enough for us to just say our end goal is the same. 
The Lord is saying, it's my way. You're either following in my way, in my plan, in my strategy, or you're fighting against it. Second Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to read quite a bit here, but we, uh, there was, I was going to summarize, and there's just too much juicy stuff for me to summarize. I can't possibly do it. So I'm just going to read a lot here, and then we'll break this down here real quick. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 1. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, together with some of the Meonites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. People came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast number from beyond the Dead Sea, and from the Edom has come to fight against you. They are already in Hazazan Tamar. Josephat was afraid and he resolved to seek the Lord. Then he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah, who gathered together to seek the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the Lord's temple before the new courtyard. He said, Lord, God of our ancestors, you are, are you not the God who is in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, and no one can stand against you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and who gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in the land and built you a sanctuary in it for your name, and have said, if disaster comes on a sword or judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before the temple and before you, for your name is in this temple." We will cry out to you because of your, our distress, and you will hear and you will deliver. Now here are the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir. You do not let Israel invade them when Israel came out of the land of Egypt, but Israel turned away from them and did not destroy them. Look how they repay us by coming to drive, out, drive us out of your possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this vast number that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do, but we look to you. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their dependents, their wives, and their children. In the middle of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came to Jehazel. And he said, listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. You will see them coming up the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley facing the wilderness of Jeril. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah, in Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out and face them, for the Lord is with you. Then Jehoshaphat knelt low with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord to worship him. Then the Levites from the sons of Kohorthites and the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel, shouting loudly. In the morning they got up early, and they went out in the wilderness of Tekeo. As they were about to go out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise his splendor of holiness. And they went out in front of the armed forces and kept singing, Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. The moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush against the Amorites, the Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir who came to fight against Judah, and they were defeated. 
the Ammonites, the Moabites turned against the inhabitants of Mount Seir and completely annihilated them. When they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy each other. When Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked for a lar large army, but there were only corpses lying on the ground. Nobody had escaped. Then Jehoshaphat and his people went together and gathered the plunder. They found among them an abundance of goods on the bodies and the valuable items. They stripped them until nobody could carry any more. They were gathering the plunder for three days because there was so much. They assembled in the valley of Barach, which means blessing, on the fourth day. For there, there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, that place is still called the valley of Baraka today. So Joseph had heard of these armies, these three massive armies that are coming against him. He goes, he calls a fast, and he, and he seeks the face of the Lord for strategy. And the Lord meets him there, and he gives him strategy. And here was his strategy. Go up to the top of the mountain and stand still. And in the natural, I'm thinking, shoot, if there were warriors in that bunch, they would have to have said, they would have to have said, this is not going to work. We're going to go up there and stand still. We're going to die. I'm going to go up and just start flinging some arrows. Hopefully I'll take out a couple of them. Maybe we could stir something up. Who knows? Maybe I'll escape. You'd think in the natural there would be some that would say that. But the scripture, what it says is that when they heard the word, they bowed their face to the ground and they celebrated the Lord. Which means their celebration was saying, I believe you, God. I believe in your strategy. It's so unorthodox. It doesn't make any sense. I believe you anyway. And we're going to go and do exactly what you said. And if somebody from that army would have said, you know what, I'm just going to go start flinging arrows and see what happens. Something could have turned out very, very differently. But what they did was they, Jehoshaphat said, believe in the prophets and you will succeed. Trust God and you have victory. And he led his army up this mountain with the worshipers going first. And they stood on the mountain and the scripture says they looked out looking for these armies that were going to come against them. And all they saw was corpses. Because the Lord had done exactly what he said he would do in the most unorthodox, amazing way possible. And it took him three days to collect the plunder from a victory they never had to fight. And I think the Lord wants to give us those kind of strategies. I think he wants to give us those kind of plans. I was just preparing for this message that the Lord kept giving me this image. When I sold cars a few years ago, one of my sales strategies was when I would, I would sit down with a customer, I would put their information into our computer system, and I would go back to the manager to get a proposal. And then I would get a price proposal, and I would come back, and what I would do is I would take my chair, and I would move it from my side of the desk to their side of the desk. And subconsciously, what I was doing was I was trying to show them that I am not negotiating with you. I'm on your side, and we're going to work out a strategy together, and we're going to go and deploy the strategy. I'm here to help you. And I feel like in this time, what the Lord is saying is I'm tired of negotiating with the church. I'm tired of people coming to me and saying, you know what, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. He doesn't want to sit across the table from you. He wants to move his chair over to your side of the table, and he wants to strategize with you because he wants the things that you want. He wants goodness for you. He wants a revival for this area. And he wants to move his chair from, his, from, from that side of the table to our side of the table. He wants to sit with us and strategize. He wants to give us strategies. He wants to give us foresight. And he wants us to go deploy those things, trusting in him and seeing victory. 
When we sat on the sidelines in football and the coach would give us strategy, that strategy was effective as our belief in it. It was as effective as our submittance to it. Because if one person would have said, you know what, that's a cool strategy and all. I know I'm a wide receiver. I know I'm supposed to run this route, but I'm going deep this time. Forget forget what that guy says. This plan's going to work better. It doesn't just ruin that strategy for that person. It ruins the strategy for the entire offense, and it risks the victory of the entire team. And the Lord is saying we need to be gathered together in union, in focus, in submission, coming together as one body to say, seek the Lord's face for strategy. Trust in his strategy. If it seems unorthodox, if it seems like there's no way that's going to work, we go anyway. We trust the Lord. And we'll see victory after victory after victory after victory because the Lord's word doesn't return empty. And he intends for this season to be a season where we start to advance the kingdom in this area. We start to see salvations. We start to see miracles. We start to see signs and wonders. And it starts with us sitting in prayer and receiving strategy from the Lord. So many years of my life, I sat in my prayer time, was sitting tossing pennies in the wishing well of heaven. Hey, God, you know what? Uh, I have a problem over there. Can you fix that? Oh, that person needs saved. Can you fix that? The world's falling apart. Can you fix that? Meanwhile, I'll sit on my hands and do nothing. And the Lord's saying, I don't want to do that. I want to work with you. I have a plan. I have a strategy to work with you. I want to do it, and I want to do it with my people. Because from Genesis forward, that was his plan. That was his desire, to do it with us. If we think the revival is just going to come knocking on the door next Sunday because we prayed for it, it's not going to work like that. The Lord is going to give a strategy in order for us to see revival come, go out from this place, not come into this place. To go out, that's where the Lord's calling us. The fortification, the defensive days, that time has ended now, and we're stepping over into the kingdom advancement, the offense, spiritual offense, where we go out and we see revival we start to go obtain the promises that Lord has had for us. And it's not going to come easy. What's easy is sitting on the couch and saying, Lord, can you fix that? Lord, can you fix that? That's easy, and it's also not effective. But the Lord wants to give us effective ways that are maybe not easy. They might cost us, but we will see the glory of the Lord. It might cost us, but we will see the glory of the Lord. Are you willing to pay the cost? There's groups all over this body that are starting an extended fast tomorrow. Asking the Lord for strategy. Asking the Lord for direction. It's not too late for you. You might be sitting there saying, oh, shoot, yeah, tomorrow though, I, you know what, I have a thing going on. Tomorrow's my birthday. I'll start tomorrow with you if you'll start tomorrow. Come on. The Lord wants to, listen, the Lord wants to do something this time. It's going to take a unified body together, buying in, saying, yes, Lord. It's not too late. Go buy a blender tonight, I promise. Walmart's stocked up. Right, Greg? Walmart's stocked, right, Diana? Walmart's stocked up on blenders. You've been in the blender aisle? Walmart's stocked up with blenders, she says. Go buy some blenders. Listen, start an extended fast. Listen for the Lord. Prune your life and watch the Lord move. 
He will do it. He will do it. He's already doing it. He's already doing it. It's only January 2nd. He already started. I don't know how many members of the prayer team we have here, but that's all right. We'll figure it out. I'll pray for people if you need prayer. Listen, this, this year is not, here's one, of the, here's one of the graces of time. The Lord give us this grace of time. We live in this, this existence where time exists and everything exists within time. Here's the grace of time. At any moment, at any time, you can decide to be anybody you want to be. Regardless of who you were yesterday, regardless of who you were a minute ago, regardless of the decisions you made in the past, at any moment, God gives you the grace to say you get to be whoever you want to be right now. And tomorrow, on January 3rd, guess what the Lord gives you? Grace to be whoever you want to be. Do you want to see the glory of the Lord? Because he's in, in the grace of creation, in the grace of time, he's got his hand out and he's offering it to you. Oh, man, I'm just going to pray because otherwise we'll be here all day, all day. The Lord is good, and he's moving. He's moving, and he is just getting started. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, God. We're thankful for your faithfulness, Lord. We're thankful for that this new year is not going to be the same as the years of old, Lord, that you're calling us into a new era, an era of kingdom advancement. We pray that you would give us the courage to step into that, Lord. Lord, challenge us, stretch us, prune us. Whatever you have to do, Lord, we are only in this for your glory, God. Unify us, correct our focus, bring us into submission. We need your strategy, Lord. We want revival, and we're not sitting here throwing pennies in a wishing well, Lord. We're sitting on your side of the table, and we're saying, show us the plan, God. Show us the plan, and we'll go deploy it. Lord, you're a good God, and you want to move in this area. You have a heart that is crying out for the lost in this area. So we align our heart with that, God. Give us new revelation. Give us new direction. Give us new strategy, Lord. We're open to whoever, whatever crazy plan you have, Lord, we're open to it. We release the orthodox ways of the past. We step into your creative nature, Lord. What do you want to do with us, God? No, Lord, you're a healing God. You're a healing Lord. God, we just worship you in this time, Lord. We worship you, God. We surrender to you. Have your way with us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. And I feel like I could just like unveil the word right now. <laughs> I mean, it just it was just a perfect introduction to to what I'm going to reveal next week. But man, um, I was sitting over there and um, I was I were reminded of something. Um, I'm afraid how many years ago it was. Uh, we uh, did a study called Holy Fire, and uh, the Holy Fire study came about because somebody. Uh, in our in our body, who didn't even come here regularly, came up to me and said, "I want to I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit," and I was like, 
Well, I can't do that, but, <laughs> but the Holy Spirit can. But anyway, we, we began a study. And it was an important time for us to begin studying about Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit was really uncomfortable for a lot of people. It was uncomfortable for me at times, and, and, and I've walked with the Lord for a while. But studying Holy Spirit helped us to become more comfortable with talking about Holy Spirit and living in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not uncomfortable for many of us around here any longer. And I feel like the same thing, the same thing is about to explode as we begin not just talking about prayer and fasting, but doing it. Because it's already, it is already started. Uh, there are groups that, that, that this week are beginning some long-term fasts. And, 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 if, and if, if, you, if you think you can't do it, I, I, know, I know everybody can't do the same thing, and I'm not even asking, asking for that. But the Lord is going to stretch every one of us in some fashion, and every one of us in some fashion, and he has some, some way for you to participate in that in some fashion. And it, you know, maybe, maybe, it's an, you know, maybe it's one meal a day, you know, maybe, it's, you know, maybe it's 30 days, maybe it's longer than that. But I believe prayer and fasting is going to be, as Pastor Shane said after he taught that last month, it's become part of his life. It's going to be part of our, our, our life because it's going to be part of our mission to hear these strategies that he has for us. So I really want to challenge you uh, in, in that and, and encourage you. If, if you don't know how to begin, just ask, ask somebody. Uh, they're, they're, again, the prophetic team is beginning. There's a group in Men of Valor they're beginning. I know the teenagers are already doing it. I know Remnant is expecting to, to, to participate in that. So if, uh, if in some fashion, do it because it's going to be part of our assignment in this year. I can't wait for the, in the next three weeks I'm going to be unfolding this word, and I can't wait. Uh, to do it. Um, but I, I want to I just share this. Um, somebody sent me this yesterday. It was a prayer for me. Um, and uh, and it, some of it had to do with just things I went through this past year with my surgery and all that, um, you know, that I didn't die. <laughs> uh, I'm still here. Uh, and, 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 and not only did, that I did not die, I'm, the Lord has, has put deposits in me that, uh, that I, I will not shut up about. I refuse to shove about. But anyway, the very end of this prayer said this. Um, uh, it, was, it was specifically for me, but I'm, I'm declaring this for us as a body. It said, we declare that all of the remaining days of Jeff Shoke, hell will have no peace. But I'm declaring that for Abundant Life Fellowship, for us as a part of this body. And, and I'll probably share this again next week as I unveil this word. But declaring that all the remaining days that we have as a body, that we are about his business, that hell will have no peace. No peace. No peace. Amen. So let's stand. Let's stand. Let's worship. Um, if you need prayer, there's people here who will pray with you. Uh, if, if you if you feel like you need to go up to somebody to pray, just go up to them. Ask them if it's okay um, for, for you to do that. But uh, we want to we wanna close with worship. And I'm just... This 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 word uh, was just uh, just uh, man. <laughs> I just wish I could unveil it all right now, but I'm not going to. So, so let's pray, Father. I just thank you so much. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this word. Thank you for the work you are doing in our midst. You are taking us somewhere, and we want to be willing participants to go to do to be about what you're about. And uh, we give you all the praise, all the praise for it. We bow down. We, we lean into you. We lean into you. We need every part of your, your vast resources to accomplish the assignments that will be upon us. And, uh, and you will do it as we just submit. And we give you the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen.